Welcome to the Wedding Guest Extraordinaire podcast with me, Sarah Southern. Join me each week as I talk everything weddings, taking you from engagement to honeymoon, making sure that you really do enjoy planning your big day. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wedding Guest Extraordinaire podcast with me, Sarah Southern. Uh, It's Sunday morning, it's very early uh, and I'm editing this podcast now because it's a royal wedding episode and I was worried that there might be some final news before this went out. I don't know why it matters because it's still a week until the royal wedding, like more speculation can be had in the next uh, five or six days before the big day at Windsor. Uh, But I really wanted to do a royal wedding episode um, and I couldn't work out who to ask because all the royal correspondents are oddly busy so you know I thought it might be a bit much to start asking them um so I thought what what's the best next thing to someone who does the royal family as their job oh I know someone who's obsessed with the royal family as much as I am so I asked my dear friend Elliot if he would be willing to come along and chat about the royal wedding and oddly enough he was because it's one of his favorite subjects you will of course remember elliot from an earlier episode he is one of my best friends i was the chief usher slash director of guest experience at his wedding to tom uh so we know each other very well and we both know the royal family uh well information about the royal family we don't know them but you know we're we're knowledgeable so it's a nice little chit-chat uh, about our speculation on the Royal Wedding. Um, and I'm sure that we'll have more thoughts on the Royal Wedding after it happens. But please do enjoy the episode. Um, and let's just dive straight in. Hi, Elliot. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very good. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Listeners will, of course, remember you from our second episode where we had a lovely discussion about your wedding to Tom. I hope so. <laughs> it was a lovely discussion. <laughs> uh, but I thought you would be a very good person for me to invite back to discuss what will perhaps be the wedding of the year. I think it will. And that is, of course, the nuptials of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. It's very exciting. I am beyond myself <laughs> with excitement. <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually quite embarrassing as to the excitement that I have I don't for know. two I don't people so. I've never met. Have you, have you not noticed that it's the, like, the number three at least news story every, every day? day? So I don't think you're alone. It's wonderful. But, I mean, we, we're into the final few days. <laughs> there aren't that many more sleeps left. Until we, uh, until we get to enjoy it. So I guess I should really kick off by asking you, where did you watch the nuptials between Prince William and Catherine Middleton? At a house party in Halifax. Halifax, that well-known <laughs> royal retreat. <laughs> yeah, we had... Um we kind of all collected ourselves on the, the day before in London and then drove through all the closed streets. They weren't closed yet. There were people sort of beginning to gather behind barriers and you could see what was going to happen. And then headed up to Halifax. Well, I spent that day watching it at um, our friend Louise and Ed's house. And then we watched all the service and everything. And then we ran into Westminster. And by the time that we got to Buckingham Palace, the flyover of all the different aeroplanes was coming over. And oh, it was just so exciting. And all the people on the streets and like bumping into people you knew who were out the streets. Like we bumped into a friend of ours who's a photographer and who'd been like actually at the palace taking pictures and stuff. I, I think. 
my my thought has always been that these things are always made for television these days. So you actually, I think, if you're with friends and you've got a bit of a party and you've got it on TV, I think you can have as good and as exciting a period of time. Absolutely. And you're not, you know how I am. I don't like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Not my thing. So I think the way that they think about the bigger television audiences is a huge part of that. And we will, of course, be together on the 19th of May we watching the big day at our friend Charles's mum's house <laughs> down in Surrey. Another garden party. <laughs> Another garden party. And I'm excited that we are going to all be together because we are all really excited about the royal wedding. But also, I'm pleased that we're not going to Windsor because I was just looking through all the information as Kensington Palace has released more information about the wedding, which we're going to chat about in a little while. And I just thought, oh, I mean, it will be really exciting, but you'll only get, like, a sneaky peek of them coming past yeah. because there'll be so many people there. You won't be able to watch it on your phone. But that's the thing to me is that it's, it's a very... I, mean, I suppose this is the point of it, that it's a very different setup. It's not trying to mimic or be the same as anything else. It, it's going to be its own thing. But the thing about Windsor is it's a much smaller town, not built for great big state occasions. So it will be much more limited. Well, think, but then again, on TV, I think it'll look great. Oh, it'll look so fantastic. <laughs> so I'm, so excited. I'm so excited. But there have been some really important royal weddings in Windsor, at St. George's mm-hmm. Chapel. So um, the one that I can remember most... And I think it's because it was the day of my brother's 21st birthday party, <laughs> was the wedding between Sophie and Edward. Yeah. So this would have been in June 1999. And I remember... Wow. I, yeah, a long okay. time ago. And I remember I had to drive to Newcastle train station to collect these lads who were coming from wherever they were coming from. And that they might, cared. That, they were <laughs> devastated to be missing it. That they were, um, uh, what, what they would have been, they would have been college friends of my brother's. And I was waiting in a pub in Newcastle Central Station, train station, for them. And I was, like, watching it, thinking, God, how on earth does my mother agree to have this party on this day when this, 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 royal, this royal, royal wedding is taking place? When you were the first time to do this, I had a, had a little bit of a think and look back, and I was thinking, is this going to be more along sort of the the second son kind of wedding, the sort of Prince Andrew style. And you look back at that 18, in the 1980s... Yeah, Prince and it was Andrew like, had a massive wedding. They got married enormous. on a Wednesday. In- they got married on a Wednesday. People got the day off work, I'm pretty sure. Like, it was a massive wedding. It was huge. I remember at school. I always had a... I didn't know it was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. Oh. It was in July in 1986, I believe. And they got married when I was at first school. I was at Corbridge First School. And they we did a big display in the assembly hall. And because I had red hair and because my name was Sarah... I was the outline to lay me on a massive piece of paper and drew around me and then we made this like collage and I was allowed to pick which boy could be Prince Andrew. <laughs> this is why you have an obsession with royal weddings. Since I, this is the very beginning you've been, I remember been involved in the festivities. I remember being um, at uh, our next door neighbour's house and them having three televisions like on chairs with all the different channels and one of their tellies was black and white now i'm pretty sure that it's pooled footage like channel four doesn't have its own telly like you know cameras and then the bbc and then itv no it's all pooled footage but it depends who you're talking heads are true but they had so i just remember these three tellies and kind of like asking questions and being told to shush because they were obviously like so focused on it so i i can remember that from a young age so do you think that's there's been a difference in the way we perceive the weddings, or do you think they've purposefully downplayed this wedding? I don't think they've downplayed it. I think they've 
they've got it just right in some ways. I think the wedding of Prince William to Catherine Middleton had to be a big state occasion. He is the future king. And I think the way that... It, it was delivered by both the royal family and the Middleton family. I think everybody covered themselves in glory on that day. And the fact that we were given a day off work, you know, being given an That's, extra bank holiday. And there's a lot of people who are saying, where's the, where's the bank holiday? Yeah. And I mean, it w- I think it would have been lovely to have had another day off in May. However, like however, I do think Prince Harry is never going to be the king. He will be the, you know, the closest he's going to get is he's going to be the king's brother. I think these conversations are above our pay grade. They are above our pay grade, but ultimately he's not going to be. And I think it is appropriate. I think it would have been lovely if it had been a Friday and we maybe got like a, a half-day bank holiday or something, but it isn't. It's on a Saturday, so at least people can join in the celebrations. I like the fact that it's in Windsor. They're not trying to close London down because the cost of having a wedding at Westminster Abbey or St Paul's, like uh, Prince Charles and Lady Di had, must be astronomical. It's half a mil doing it in your own back garden, apparently. <laughs> is that what it is, having it at Windsor Castle? <laughs> but no, I think, I think it's really appropriate. I think, that, I think they've got it spot on. And what's been interesting this week is Kensington Palace have announced a lot of different bits of information surrounding the wedding. So we have learnt that Meghan Markle will not be having a maid of honour, which has been speculated by many. That it would be one of her it's friends a, from college. Mm. What's it's your a, thoughts on that? It's an English wedding. Oh, maid, so maid, maids ma- of honour. I know, American, but she's not but having any adult bridesmaids. She's just having tops. Oh. So I would imagine... So far more on the information than I am. Apologies. Well, come on, you've got to read up on an <laughs> hourly basis. So I would imagine that Prince George and... Um, Princess Charlotte will probably have a role. And then I did wonder, because Prince Harry and Zara Phillips are very pally, whether little Mia will have a little role. It makes sense for it to be the, the cousins and kids, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you're like Savannah and Isla um, Phillips as There'll well. There'll always be some sort of well-known friends, kids who, you know, yeah. we've never heard of who get, get involved. That's the way weddings are, aren't they? There's always the... the the children or friends who are like, oh, they're nice, who I are they? I think the children are kind of the right age now. Yeah. You know, the great-grandchildren are the right age to But do you not remember? Do you not remember at um, uh, Prince William's wedding when, with the small children, they just look completely and utterly bewildered? My favourite <laughs> one is um, one of the little kids had her hand on her floral arrangement on her head throughout, because someone had obviously said, oh, just be careful, it doesn't fall off. And she just holds on to it the whole time while she's, like, walking through Westminster Abbey when she's on the balcony, like, at all points. They're just cute. Yeah, they are cute. I think it must be difficult for Meghan Markle to choose which friend she's going to have as an adult bridesmaid, because the media are going to latch onto them like crazy and look Instead, they're latching onto her family. Yeah, I guess we should really examine this because I've read some stories about Meghan Markle's family in that they have sold stories about her. And one of her brothers sent a a letter. Um, It's it's a half-brother because they don't have the same mum, but they've got the same dad. Mm. And basically saying Meghan's really false and she um, owes our dad money and all this kind of jazz. And I just thought, God, you must be awful. Why on earth would you sell a story about your sister? But that goes back to something you were saying just a second ago, in that they've been they've been this sort of slow drip of information from from Kensington Palace. And I think that's one of the things about this wedding, which is still really interesting, is that is that constant news attention, that constant desire for um, information, for stories, and for the headlines. And I think that's part of it in the states as well, with them being American. 
there's obviously an even bigger market and there's that a bit more sort of a... But I think it's also openness. the obsession with Prince Harry. I think people are obsessed with Prince Harry in that he's such a naughty boy. So therefore, the fact that he's no longer naughty, people are obsessed with him. I mean, think about it. In 2012, he closed the Olympics on behalf of the Queen. Yeah. Like, you know, he did but the, the thing- most senior role that could possibly be at that ceremony. And he did that on behalf of the Queen. A week later, he was playing naked billiards in a hotel room in Las Vegas. Like he so were probably a lot of the athletes there at the same hey, time. So you know. I don't have a problem with it. I <laughs> love Prince Harry. He deserves a private life if he wants to do it. But just in terms of the obsession that people have, people... And I think that's one of the, the, the issues, potentially, that Prince Harry has had throughout his life, is he is multifaceted and he is viewed in these ways. So he goes from closing the Olympic ceremony in London, which had been so amazing and had lifted the nation beyond belief... And then he ends up front page of the sun with his winky out because some, unfortunately someone who he'd been playing this naked billiards with couldn't be trusted and took a photograph on their phone, which I think is appalling. And, like, and my criticism is firmly not to Meghan and Harry, it's to the people who but are selling stories on them. But that's the thing, again, isn't it, with the American press? They don't have the same reserved, I would think, nervousness over some of the things that they put in the media, which sometimes we only hear about secondhand over here. But remember, the rules in this country surrounding the royals and the media are much different. So the other week, a photograph was taken of uh, Little Prince George being driven home by Carol Middleton from school the day after Prince Louis was born. Um, a couple of journalists tweeted that. Those tweets were then removed later on, and Prince George's face was cut out of it. In that picture was never published in a British newspaper. It probably was published in international magazines and newspapers because there is a rule, like, hands off. These people are allowed a private life. And I think the British editors don't buy any pictures. So that if you were to scour the internet, which I suggest you don't do because I don't think it's nice, you would be able to find pictures of um, Catherine walking the kids in Kensington Palace Gardens. Like, just play, playing. Yeah. But those but pictures you, are never published here. Do you think it's going to be different than this this time? Because the difference between Meghan and Catherine is Catherine comes from a fairly normal-ish English background. Meghan is an international... She's an actress, so she actress. already has a profile. Yeah. So she, she's... She's a public persona in her own right, not yes. because she's marrying Prince However, Harry. however, I think her, her role in being an actress is hammed up somewhat. She has been an actress in one successful TV show. She's not a Hollywood starlet. She's not a red carpet regular. She lived in Toronto... Like, it's not as though she was seen falling out of, you know, um, nightclubs or whatever in L.A. Not that anyone drinks in L.A. <laughs> she wasn't seen leaving vegan bars <laughs> and juice bars <laughs> of, uh, you know, Hollywood. She, that, that isn't who, who she is. So I think there will be a, a, a definite difference because she's a different person. She's, and also, let's be realistic, being that far removed from the throne you have got that opportunity. So when her Prince Harry, Prince William and Catherine spoke at an event about two months ago, she was quite vocal on her thoughts on, you know, female empowerment and, you know, other issues that she's interested in. She has been um, a global ambassador for World Vision. Mm. So it's not as though she's, she's desperate for the limelight. She's already had limelight and she's now fallen in love with the man that she wants to spend the rest of her life with. Therefore, I don't think she needs it. But that's a separate that's a whole separate issue to how the media may treat them i think the me 
media will be obsessed with them because the nation's obsessed with them. Look at how many people turned out in Brixton to go and see that visit. Look at the scream that was at the, um, the, the conference that they attended in Northern Ireland for all those school kids. It sounded like Beyonce just walked <laughs> in the room. <laughs> but is that... So the, then my worry is that, you know, we've got, we've got Prince William and Catherine who are sort of ordinary working royals who are a little bit, you know, establishment. Yeah. And you've got the, the former sort of playboy prince, want another word, marrying his Hollywood starlet. I know she's not from Hollywood, but you know what I mean. Um, and that just, that is a completely different persona. And in some ways, uh, that, that's what surprised me a little bit about the, what is more low-key wedding. I think the stardust that is on Harry and Meghan at the minute is no different to the stardust that was on William and Catherine. Remember when they went to Canada on their first official yeah. trip post their wedding? Like, it was wall-to-wall coverage here in the UK. It was, like, literally the lead story on the news. Because people were obsessed. they just got married. Now, that yes, they still do garner as much interest now, but it's not like, oh, my God, have you seen those pictures of them? And then they did this, and then they did that. And uh, Like, people aren't as obsessed. And I think people are just excited because it's new. So and that will change, especially well, when they have kids. It's not even their honeymoon yet. I know, it's so exciting. Well, let's, let's get on to the day. So, we know that by getting married in Windsor at St. George's Chapel. Beautiful. Um, I think the last royal wedding that was there was actually ten years ago for Peter Phillips yes. to Autumn Kelly. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, it will be their ten-year anniversary plus two days on the 19th of May because they got married on the 17th of May. Oh, that's really lovely. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be nice and emotional for them. We know that Meghan's mum is going to travel from wherever they're staying in one of the Queen's cars to the castle she will then pop out Megan will then be met by her father and the little page boys and bridesmaids and then they will progress to the chapel so do you has this been released yet are they going to sort of arrive at the chapel or is there going to be some sort of walk and carriage procession because it's quite a long way from the castle down through the close so the the route that the car that um Megan and her mum will take yeah will pass by some of the bystanders and people in the ground and then she'll go into the chapel. Well wishes, I think. We well wishes is out there. Isn't that when you're in, ill in hospital, about to die? By, by standards, it's not a <laughs> Okay. So the people who, have, who are in the grounds, <laughs> then uh, when Prince William and Prince Harry arrive, they're going to walk through and say hello to some people. So people will have an opportunity to see yeah. them. And then after the service, Harry and Meghan will get into a coach and there will be a procession round so they'll be able to wave at people. Because there will be a lot of people there, because a number of community leaders, I guess, community people, because the Lord Lieutenants of each county, you are able to write to them and apply to go. Turns out my application must have got lost, as um, I didn't make the cut. Never mind. Oh, well. Uh, (laughs) At least you'll be able to have lunch. True. Now, this, this has come up in the papers in the last week or so about the fact that people aren't going to be fed when they're in the grounds. Now, I don't think that's a problem. I think the fact that you're there is exciting enough. I think it's, the, it's, it's, that, it's that balance, isn't it, between the invitation to be in, in close proximity, to be able to, to sort of uh, see the rules firsthand and wish them well, maybe meet a couple of them as they walk there, and that excitement of being really part of it. And also, that the, I think the big part of it is to look at it and say, the fact you were invited is, is, is the bonus. 
that yeah. you are you know it's it's a thank you for the work you do in the community come along to this this national state occasion um that's great i do however think the from what it seems probably one letter from one lord lieutenant as far as i can tell from reading the media has said bring a picnic but you're there for four hours so most people would probably bring you know something and then Clarence House has also clarified there will be refreshments. I think it's one of those stories where, and it's what we were saying earlier about the whole news hype. Yeah. I think people want a story. They wanted a story that was a little bit more critical than all the, the fluff and good news, and they've, they've latched on that. And I think it's a shame. It's a real it, shame. Because There's it detracts no from what is actually a really, really generous offer. Rather than inviting a thousand, you know, ambassadors and heads of state, you invite a thousand people who actually. Uh, engage in their communities. And I guess we should, that moves us very nicely onto the guest list because it was announced recently that there won't be any uh, political guests, so the Prime Minister won't be there. Brilliant. Like, I think there's probably a lot of people relieved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's invite people. I tell you want, which former we? Prime Minister I do believe will be there will be Sir John Major. Yes. Because he was appointed their guardian after the sad death of their mother back in 1997. So when he attended uh, Prince William's wedding in 2011, it wasn't as a former Prime Minister, it was mm. as a but that's friend what I mean. of the it's, family, as it were. You're inviting people you want. And do you not remember when there was that whole conversation around the, 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 the wedding of William and Catherine and that sort of who's coming, who's there, why they're here, why they're not, who's not come... And you just remove that, that state element from it and go, this is a important family occasion. There are some people we have to invite through protocol reasons of the royal family. And then there's people we want to be here, including the sort of 1,400, 1,500 um, community a- uh, activists. Yeah, and the charities that and they're the charities involved they support, in. And, you know, friends and family. Yeah, because, you know, I know they are the royal family, but from people who I know who do know them, it sounds as though they are a really lovely family and really close and have a nice time together. Like, they like each other. Yeah. Well, they like... Yeah. There's always, there's always family issues that we probably well, do you know there's don't one, ask there's, about. There's but... one member of the family that I do want to discuss as to whether she will be invited or not, and that is Sarah Ferguson. Because you once played her in a, <laughs> in a school production. Or... Yeah. <laughs> but the reason that I, I want to know whether she's coming is she was not allowed to go to um, Prince William's wedding, but there is one wedding she will be able to attend this year, and that is the wedding in October of Princess Eugenie to, to Jack. Oh, Spikes. she can go to her own So she can go to that. But I had heard on the grapevine via the medium of the newspapers that uh, she's not allowed to attend events that Prince Philip was at. But surely <laughs> she can't, you can't stop her from but, attending her daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two things in that. One, there's now rumours today. If we're talking rumours in the newspaper yeah. rather than things we know, um, that the Prince Philip may not be able to go because he's still recovering from his operation. Um, I, mean, I would be very surprised if Prince Philip does not make it to Prince Harry's wedding. I think that the reason he hasn't been to any of the other things that he was scheduled to go to is to ensure yeah. that he is better. But we were also that. we were also talking about how you know this this inviting your family and it's a family and friends affair. And I remember from my, my own wedding that you know my, my grandma couldn't make it because she was too unwell. It, they, oh, you know, and I think she was actually slightly younger than Prince Philip is. He's he's you know an, an, an old gentleman. True, but I, w- I would be very very surprised if he wasn't involved in some way. And I know that he probably wouldn't want to attend. Um, in a wheelchair or, you know, because yeah. of the, obviously because he is such a public figure. But I think that he wouldn't want to miss that because, you know. And it'll be televised, so we'll see. Well, well quite. We, we will know on the 19th of May. As, as, for, as for Sarah Ferguson, I think it's one of those things where we can speculate as much as we like. I think it's, it's perfectly acceptable not to invite um, 
a sort of... A, a, but it's your aunt. An ex-aunt. It's still your aunt. I don't know how these things... The mum of your cousins. The mum of your cousins. I think the royal family have a very odd relationship with Sarah Ferguson. We'll see... We'll, well she's still the, the Duchess of York, so we will just have to, again, wait and see until the 19th of May. Now, obviously, one of the biggest stories, the biggest speculations, is who's designing Meghan's dress. Oh, there's so much speculation on this. You've, so you've, you've, you've even done another podcast on this <laughs> very topic. Well, listeners will remember that when I spoke to the award-winning fashion designer, Henry Holland, he speculated that it could be Christopher Bailey from Burberry. This was then picked up by a number of newspapers and the Wedding Guest Extraordinaire podcast was then quoted on the Mail Online, The Sun, The Daily Mirror, uh, Vanity Fair, um, where else? Harper's Bazaar. No, it wasn't Harper's Bazaar. It wasn't Vanity Fair. It was Harper's Bazaar. Sorry about that. I'm over-egging my pudding there. Uh, And indeed, hello. And Huffington Post and the Evening Standard. Oh, and the Independent. Have you finished trumping your I own, think, your Well, own I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> my little podcast was mentioned on all of those places because Henry said it might be Burberry. But is that still the bet? Well, it's very interesting because the hot, the hot tip has been that it's going to be Erdem. Erdem is a Canadian designer who's based in London. He dresses um, the Duchess of Cambridge a lot. He ha- Megan has worn some of his stuff. The other hot tip was that it would be the people who designed her engagement dress who are called R- something in Russo. I can't remember what they're called, which is terrible. But Blame the, your research team. the Daily Mail has gone big and said that is who's designing it. They're that seems big. quite confident. They have reported it as news. Now, for the last royal wedding in 2011... Alexander McQueen designed the dress and a national newspaper went with the story the Sunday before the wedding and said, this is who it is, and they broke the story. And I think they've only recently begun to be on better relations with McQueen since. But I don't want to know till the day. I'm happy to speculate. Well, this is the thing about speculating on it. I mean, you... I'd love it. Isn't it just the fact that it'll be exciting to see what she's wearing? Oh, yes. And, and do you know what? I'd love it if it was Burberry because there has been such a flurry after the chat I had with Henry. So that would be hilarious. I would have landed the scoop of the year, which is just amusing for me. I'd and good for Burberry. It's a brand. Yeah. Wonderful for Burberry and a wonderful farewell for Christopher Bailey as he uh, leaves Burberry as their creative director. I would love it to be Roland Murray because um, I know him. I've met him a couple of times <laughs> because he's a friend of a cousin of mine. So I'd quite like it. And also I like Roland Murray's stuff. But it would be, it would be quite different for that. Uh, when I spoke to Patrick Grant, uh, who is also a fashion designer, he's a Savile Row tailor, he was hoping it would be someone like Vivian Westford or another you know, really British kind of brand. See, that's what I, th- I think it will end up being a, a British brand because she's trying to buy into, and I don't mean that in, the, in, a, in a bad way, I'm yeah. saying she's trying to sort of show her commitment to what she is ac- accepting well, I think the role she's if you look on. at who they've chosen, so for the cake, they've chosen um, a baker that is based in East London, which is lovely. The florist, I think, is, again, like, you, you obviously... Yeah, but cake, cake and flowers don't travel. True, that's a very good <laughs> yeah. point. But I know, but they could have chosen um, a cake baker, a cake baker, that's not what they're called, just a, a baker. baker. They could have chosen a baker who is already got a royal warrant or something like that. They've chosen someone who's got a tiny little bakery in the east end of London. Like, oh, and the, the baker is Californian. 
So I think that's quite a nice little nod to yeah. where she's come from. Do you, is it a more interesting question, I think, is, is what do we think her style might be? Because that was one of the things that was um, in sort of the, the dresses of the past. There's been quite specific styles. They sometimes led the style. I and don't do you think do you think she will bring a certain flair? Do you think she'll go for traditional? How off traditional do you think she could get away with if she was to go that route? I think what we need to remember is no matter what, it is still a royal wedding. And I think that even if she was to say to a designer, I want you to go wild, I think they would still think in their mind, This is a royal wedding, this dress is gonna go on display at some point. Do you know what I mean? People yeah. are going to examine this dress for years and years to come. So the other question I thought, why have you been talking just then, is where, where do we think that any of the guests will go outlandish with hats? Oh, a bit like Beatrice and Eugenie did in yes. 2011. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, that became a whole thing in its own Definitely. Its own right, I think I there will be people, you know, I mean, remember Victoria Beckham's uh, hat from 2011 at Prince William's wedding, you know, that kind of sitting on top what, um, you know, there are certain things. I remember Tara Palmer Tomkinson, RIP, um, her outfit from Prince William's wedding. You know, there are certain outfits that really stick in your mind. You know, Tara was in this kind of really blue outfit um, as Prince Charles was her godfather. So I think there will definitely be outfits where we're like, wow, that's, uh, like, really out there. It's really colourful. And And do we take bets on the the Queen's colour? Is this Ascot? Do we do that? Yeah. I would imagine... Do you know what? I have been looking on the the royal wedding special... Or the royal specials of... uh, what you can gamble on. Uh, and it is quite interesting. What I would like to bet on is what William and Harry will be wearing. Will they be in military uniform? I'm going to go with yes. I think they will be. I'd be surprised if they were in morning suits. I just don't... I'd be really disappointed. But look, look at what's happening. There's 250 members of the military there in terms of procession mm. and in terms of the honour guard and there's the, the staircase bit on the arrival... He was in the military for a lot longer than his brother. His brother got married in military uniform. They're both technically still in the military. However, in 2011, was Prince William not still a serving soldier? I think he was. I don't think he'd stepped away from from the military at that point. That's niche knowledge. Because he was an RAF search and rescue pilot in Wales when they first got married. So I don't, I don't know the protocol on that. I don't know. But then, but then you look at the protocol on that. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of. Well, it's up to the Queen, so she's well, going to decide. No, no, it's not because if you look at it, they actually they both have roles within different regiments True. still because of the being in the royal family. Well, so they they are perfectly entitled. Interestingly, when Prince William got married, he the Queen told him what uniform to wear. Allegedly. No, he, he admitted it. Uh-oh. It was on a TV show. I've seen an interview with him where he said, I had thought I'd be wearing whichever regiment uniform. And then the Queen said, no, you need to wear that one. It's much more colourful. Well, there we go. She's a pro. She knows. She knows. We can sit here speculating. But she knows. She knows everything. And what a wonderful year for the Queen. So she's got a new grand- great-grandchild, which is just beautiful. She's got seen Harry get married. She's then going to see Princess Eugenie get married. Like, I just think it's glorious. It is a bit like in 2011, where she saw Prince William get married and then Zara Phillips get married. It just must be so lovely for her. Do we think that the, the sort of excitement around this wedding will have the same uplifting impact as we go into the summer that I felt the last wedding had? Because I just feel we could kind of do with a little bit of a good news. I think so. I mean... What's there not to celebrate? 
Like, I just, to be honest, if I well, talk... I know people who don't want to celebrate. I know, but if I talk to people and they're not keen on celebrating love, I'm a bit like, well... Well, it's not, it's, it's the, they're very pleased for the couple, but they go, well, that's nice, but they're just another couple getting married. Yeah, but I get excited by every couple getting married. <laughs> well, hence your blog. Oh, exactly. Podcast. Sorry, podcast. <laughs> yeah. This is an audio yeah, experience, I, I, and I've written yeah. down one earlier. But <laughs> I, I don't know, I just think it's really nice. Like, you know, I'm going to be uh, chief bridesmaid, uh, obviously, for Claire in June. Mm. And that is really exciting. Like, how can you not get excited well, we've, by people being excited, like, just being in love and go, celebrating? We're going off topic, because we've, we've had that. We've been invited to a wedding um, in Trinidad, which is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, a friend of ours who moved out there a few years ago to, to follow the man she fell in love with, which I think is beautiful. Um, and we're really, really, really desperate to go. But it's one of those things where they've done the classic protocol of sending the wedding invitation out three months before the wedding. You're like, oh. Trinidad's quite far away. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things where you get really excited and you want to make, you want to make it happen. You want I to think go, you've you just got to go. Uh, yeah, we'll try. But Trinidad's quite far away. It's just, but, it's just got, one flight. We've got, another, we've got another wedding in August that's equally as exciting. Well, true. And you get to come and see and that's my, my, that's my, my show yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> in Edinburgh easier. in August too. Do you think there, there will be any um, like strange protocol during the day? So if you think all of the guests will arrive, but the Queen will arrive last, then the bride will arrive. It'll be standard royal protocol. Standard royal and protocol. I think the, the thing about this is we... We had a royal wedding a few years ago. Oh, so we're, we're used to it. We kind of, we kind of understand that these things <laughs> we're work. We're into It'll it. It'll get repeated by the BBC ad yeah. nauseum on the day Definitely. of how it's going to work. Um, I think what's, what's really nice about it is that we have these traditions and we have these protocols, but then there is always the fact that all our tradition is as modern and as relevant as we want it to be. Yeah. So the royal family can remake and edit their tradition as they want to. I think being as the, the Queen is... is thank God, still with us. It'll be as traditional as it always is. Yeah. I think what's interesting is, after the wedding, the guests who have been invited to St. George's Chapel will head into the castle, where there will be a reception hosted by the Queen. Prince William... Uh, sorry, Prince Harry and Meghan will... Oh, my gosh, will then find out what dukedom they've been given. One topic at a time. Okay. Sorry, I just got excited there, because then she will because, be called the Duchess of something. And also what I find quite exciting is you're about to go into a really, really interesting topic that I'm uh, that occurred to me as probably one of the more normal issues they'll have to grapple with, of how do you do the with logistics the of moving people you've, around. You've got logistics <laughs> and you've got two receptions. Well, yeah, this is interesting, and it is becoming a more and more common thing. So the guests have been invited to St. George's Chapel. They will all then go to the reception hosted by the Queen. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle will then go on their um, carriage journey and then join the reception. Then there is a lull, because in the evening at Frogmore House, Prince Charles is hosting a reception. So at 7pm, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry will then appear in different outfits. Everyone will be in a different, different outfit. Different outfits, and there will be a photograph and footage provided to the media at that point, so we will see the two dresses that she wears, and they will go to that. I would imagine the people who won't be at the evening one, but at the daytime one... We'll go watch the FA Cup. <laughs> I was going to more talk about the types of people. That's his brother. I would imagine that it would be people, for example who are involved in the charities that he's involved in. So I would imagine kind of senior staff within the charities he's involved in will be at the service but wouldn't be invited to the evening thing. I think the evening thing will friends be and a lot fewer people and it will be, yeah, but close did, friends. And family. they did do that for the last, the last yeah. big, yeah. big royal wedding. The, there was a, the evening event, which was different to the earlier event. And I yeah. think 
I think the way they've done it by having what you call a low, <laughs> what I just say is an afternoon break, um, I think is becoming more common. I think the idea of having the big event with everyone you have to invite in one way, we all have those people we need to invite to weddings. And then you have a break and you have a different celebration. They're doing it on the same day. You can do it apart. But it's just interesting that, you know, they, they've had to go through that whole, how do we do this? What is it we want to do? How do we make this work with our lives? And it's this, in some ways, it's, it's the more normalizing aspect of their yeah. wedding, that it's more like everybody else's wedding of how do we invite them? Which bits do we invite them to? Who do we invite? Who do we not invite? It's the conundrum we all have when we're organising a wedding. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's been really interesting on this podcast, speaking to all the different guests, and one of the things that they have had to grapple with is stripping that list down and working out yeah. who they should and shouldn't invite. I don't, I don't think budget has necessarily been such a restriction as it is for some of us. With, oh, with obviously not. Like, you know, <laughs> St George's Chapel is actually, it's, uh, apparently, I'm learning from the number of people invited, surprisingly larger than I remember it being when you go as a tourist and you wander around, you think, gosh, this is actually quite intimate. It's clearly a considerable number of people. Yeah. Um, but then you've still got to sort of think, and that, that was the conversation that came up when the prime ministers and presidents weren't being invited. Um, and then you, part of me, my reaction was like, well, why should they be, really? Yeah, they don't definitely on the whole, you know, would you want to sit next to them at dinner category. Oh, yeah, which is always my rule yeah. when deciding whether you should invite someone. So what I always say is, would you invite this person over to your house for dinner before your wedding? If the answer is no, don't invite them. And the other criteria that I always add is, if you had to sit next to them yourself at your own wedding, would you be disappointed? And if the answer is yes, don't invite them. But then you have a problem. It, it's a little bit like inviting the Prime Minister because you are, um, you know, theoretically an heir to the throne is a, is a little bit like having to invite your second cousin once removed who, you know, is involved in the family but you don't really know very well. well. If you haven't got their phone number, you can't invite them. Yeah, but your mum does. Yeah, but just don't don't ask her. So it's <laughs> you've already sent the invites out. But come on, Elliot, who do you think, what, what dukedom do you think they're going to get? Because, I'll tell you which one is available, but I don't think they will get, is the Duke of Windsor. <laughs> I think it's safe to say no. I think they could get maybe Sussex. Sussex. Yeah. I think that's the, the hot the hot favourite. It's almost like the conversation's over. I don't hear anybody else talking about... I would love it if they reclaimed Windsor, though. Not this generation. No, do you think we need to wait a yeah. couple more? Yeah. <sighs> also, it's quite an odd one, if you think about it, because that is their surname as well. So, actually, yeah. it would be perfectly logical for him to reclaim Windsor. I just think... It's still too raw for the Queen, to, for her to I use I think it. it probably is too raw, sadly. Especially given that, that Meghan, Meghan is, American. is American. I know, it's such a shame. I just think it would, it would be nice. It is quite interesting uh, listening to people discuss the royal wedding and different royal things, as the amount of people have said that uh, Prince Harry's surname is Wales, and I have found myself shouting at the telly, or indeed at the newspaper or at my iPhone and going, no, well, this is Mountbatten-Windsor. Who was, who was having this conversation the other day? In one of the newspapers, one of the television conversations um, was around the fact that he's actually... Oh, it was when uh, Prince Louis was born. Mm. Um, around the fact he is actually technically a commoner. And it's a, it's a courtesy thing. Um, Who's technically a commoner? Uh, Prince Henry of Wales. I don't think he is. Because it's something to do with the fact that he's not automatically entitled... Yes, it's, he is, a, because he a is a descendant of a male heir, so he is. No, because I thought it was because he's, he's, he's one step too removed from the monarch. No, I don't think that's right. So this is just more people getting things wrong. 
I have been quite shocked at how wrong things are. I was listening to something. I don't want to say what because I don't want to be rude to the people who did it. I was listening to something the other day where someone said, oh, and of course Prince Philip was made a prince by the king before his wedding. No, he wasn't. He was made the Duke of Edinburgh by the king. And then the queen, when she became the queen, and a few years had happened, then bestowed the title of Prince Philip upon him. It's simple stuff, guys. Get it right. And actually, that's you can watch The Crown to learn that. Yes, it is in modern parlance. <laughs> There's a few other things I've kind of heard. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, your job is to, to be royal. Should we Get have sort of should we have niche chat about royal protocol that, I was, <laughs> that, that I've been learning while this all happens? And what I quite find quite interesting is that once they were married, you have that normal protocol of them being the duke and type. For example, um, you've got uh, oh, who has to curtsy to who? No, 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 no. The way the titles work. So when when um, uh, Princess Elizabeth married the Duke of Edinburgh, yeah. they became the Duchess and Duke of Edinburgh, yeah. which is contrary to the normal protocol because of the protocol of where she falls in the. Yeah, I mean, I do, I, I do find the male female thing quite frustrating. But it was different in that then. regard. I mean, obviously, it has now changed. But what I love is that if it, they give the the procession in the same way that they have to Catherine Middleton, if Meghan Markle is on her own she will have to curtsy to um, the Princess Royal and Princess Alexandria, who is the Queen's cousin. However, if Prince Harry is there, they have to curtsy to her. Because she will be Princess Henry. Yes. So I just find... I just love it. I love the fact that it's so complex. I would love to have a... uh, It's complex, but it's it's like... But it's not at the same time. Once you know, you know. No, it's a a fantastic um, family complexity. And I have a very, very odd story from working on the Olympics when you you see Spanish, Dutch and British royalty all meeting each other. And they know, instinctively know the protocol. And then between the sort of Spanish and Dutch... Um, what I love, there's, there's levels of curtsy. Like you see, princesses disappear. So the but what I love is that they kiss each other hello and then the curtsy or bow. Yeah, they are still family, but it's like any family could have, could have these rules if you want. Oh, them. I just love it. I just love it. I think it's so jolly. I would love to have this conversation with a, uh, a Frenchman, a German, or an American who don't have a. Royal they would family probably think just, we're insane. Yeah. I think a lot of Brits would think we're insane having this conversation. But do you know what? I don't mind because it brings me a lot of joy. And what, brings a lot of what is a lot life of without joy? Well, Elliot, thank you so much for coming to chat about the royal wedding. Uh, I feel as though we could talk about it all day. And I'm looking forward to the 19th of May of drinking a lot of fizz and a lot of pims with you and celebrating the glorious marriage. Of I look forward to it. Let's, hope, let's hope it's as good as weather as we're having today yeah. in this Fingers very crossed hot room. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank Take you for care. having me. Bye-bye. Bye. So there we have it. That's me and Elliot basically gossiping about what we think might or might not happen at the royal wedding. Um, we're both very excited about the royal wedding, to say the least, and are looking forward to the build-up being, <laughs> being on the TV. It's a bit, I guess, like the royal wedding for some people, like me and Elliot, is a bit like the football World Cup thing. Like, 
it is the highlight of your year. It's the thing that you're going to get most excited about. You want to watch the build-up on the telly. You want to hear guests speculating for hours when they've got no information at all. And I just think it's going to be wonderful. So I do hope wherever you guys are enjoying the royal wedding, you have a really fantastic day and that Meghan and Harry have just the most wonderful celebration of their nuptials. I'm sure they will. Uh, well, look, uh, do follow, rate, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Do follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Wedding Guest Pod. Um, do send me an email at sarah at weddingguestextraordinaire.com if you want to get in touch. Do check out the website, weddingguestextraordinaire.com. I do sometimes add extra info to there. Uh, But have a great week and really do enjoy the wedding. I'm Sarah Southern, your wedding guest extraordinaire. Do take care.